Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to The Witching Hour. I have a great guest for you this week. Actually, somebody I've been fangirling over for weeks now. Christopher Penzak. If you may have seen pictures of me online, on the Llewellyn page, on my page, holding up this book that we are giving away. And this is my copy. <laughs> but I'm so excited to have him on. He didn't just do this book. He's done like 28 books and counting. And he is the ultimate beautiful witch magical guy. So before I introduce you to him, let's tell you a little bit about this week. This week, if you are listening to this when we first drop on Monday, the week of October 18th, we are mid-spooky season. We are so close to Halloween. We are so close to Samhain. It is great. And yes, I am in overdrive. My broom has got its electric motor on right now, most definitely. Um, so what I have going this week is, well, I just got back with that space and time travel from Salem and doing the vampire ball, the endless night vampire ball in Salem. I'm sure it was fabulous. I did a seance. We had a beautiful ball and rituals and panels, and it was really great. And I just got home. Tomorrow, I am teaching a class on animal familiars at my school, University Magicus. It's a great class because we all know about our familiars. Our familiars can be our cute little kitty cat or a puppy that just knows what we're thinking. And your totem animal can also be a created animal like your dragon or your fairy along the way. So if you're interested in learning about that or learning more about that Tuesday night, go to universitymagicus.com. And then I am heading back on a plane for Lake Tahoe for the Para Experience in Lake Tahoe. It sounds great. They're going to have amazing people there. I'm going to be doing seances and all sorts of fun stuff. And it's at an old, very haunted Biltmore in South Lake Tahoe. They survived the fire, so we're going to go talk to the spirits there, and the best of the best are going to be there. It's all on my website. It's all on my pages. So that's where Patty is this week. Hi, everybody. It is time for the Willow Report. And for once, I must say, she's not going to blend right into the blackness of whatever I'm wearing that day. Nope, because she's got a great big old donut on her. My poor little girl. Yep, when you hit six months, you get fixed. So um, she's adjusting rather well, actually, better than I would thought. But the hard part is going to be trying to keep her down. As you can see, she's a little sleepy like usual, but actually a little more sleepy because she's on a little bit of a sedative. Because when the doctor said we had to keep her down for 10 days or two weeks, we said, can we have a sedative? We actually meant for us, not the dog. But he gave it to us for the dog. But she got spayed, and she's on some medication, and we're supposed to keep her from playing with other dogs and keep the silly collar on for almost two weeks, so 10 days to two weeks. So we have our challenge cut out for her, but I just keep telling her it's a necklace and it's a pretty necklace as she eats my necklace. But it is really, really important to spade and neuter your dogs. Um, yes, there's some dogs that need to have babies and you have your dogs, but there's too many dogs right now, kids. Um, if for their sake, for your sake, there's too many dogs in shelters. There's too many dogs lost on the street. Let's just pull it back a little bit. If you really love your baby, fix them. Same thing with cats, same thing. And cats, on cats, um, I'm working on this right now because my brother has feral cats in his neighborhood. He feeds them, which is great. But then they have babies, which is less great. And then the next generation has babies, which is next great. Um, and one of these weeks, I'm going to talk about some of the different cat 
organizations that actually catch ferals, fix them, and then release them back to be ferals because they're really hard to tame once they're out on the street. And you want to put them back maybe where their friends and families are, but there's these beautiful, in, like, uh, like Lux Paws and a bunch of different ones, but we'll talk about them different. But today, besides poor Sleepy Willow, who can't even, it's so funny. Oh my gosh, when she tries to walk through the bushes, to get to the grass to go potty, she doesn't fit to the bushes and she doesn't understand. She was desperately trying to get underneath the couch and she can't fit under the couch and she doesn't understand. <laughs> she has a pea brain, huh baby? Anyway, she will get through it. I will get through it, I hope. Um, but today's rescue, I want to tell you about a really great rescue. I hear from my producer, Rob, is really great. And it is a search for Lone Star Dog Ranch and Dog Ranch Rescue. Okay, for this week's magic lesson, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Wheel of the Year. Our holidays, the pagan holidays, anybody who follows an elemental, uh, elemental compass, you always wonder about what are these holidays that we do? Well, actually, there's eight major ones. Four of them are on the solstice and the equinox, and four of them are different holidays that might have a slight familiar ring to you. Our beginning of the year is Samhain which you know as Halloween or Samhain. That is the beginning of the year. That is the time of year that we celebrate the dead. The veil is thinnest between the worlds. And that is a time about honoring the dead and cleansing and releasing things. The colors for this are funnily orange and pumpkins and all sorts of great things. So if you want to decorate your altar, you can find everything you need at the local drugstore because it's the regular world and the magical world go hand in hand in these things. So that is the first of the eight holidays. And then we move into Imbolc, February 2nd. Now that is what we celebrate. It's one of the four fire festivals. And that one is about purification and initiation and dedication. And that's something you usually kind of do during the beginning of the year because these holidays were very made very much made by people of the land, early man, like when you harvest and when you plant and when you go into the dark time and when you come back into the summer and springtime. So February is in bulk. You might know it also as candle mass. It's the time you might see the goddess Brigitte with little candles all over her head. That's in February. And then we move to March 21st, which is the spring equinox, also known as Ostara. It is a time of regeneration, new beginnings, conception, Things like eggs and bunnies and all sorts of greats. That's usually around March 21st. And it's again, it's a new life because spring is coming out. And then we move around to May 1st, Beltane. That is the time of the year when the veil is also thin, but it's not being held up by the dead like at Samhain or Halloween. It's being held up by the fairies, by the fae. So that's why we dance around maypoles and give flowers and we play music. It's kind of a sexy, fun, celebrate life and procreate. It's about life, joy, fertility itself. And then we're moving into summer and that's the summer solstice. That is the midsummer, that is lithia. And it's about transition and planning because that's kind of what you do in summer, right? The kids are go off to school. Let's plan for the rest of the year. Then we move into August 1st, which is Lugansa or Lamas, and that is, um, fall is here. That is about gratitude. That is about abundance. That is about fruition. We've got the plantings have come in. It is a, it is a cross quarter day. It's, it's, it's just what we're doing in August, end of summer. And then we're going to move into September. 
We are going to move into Maybon, and that is September 21st. That is the fall equinox, and that is the time of giving thanks. And that kind of goes into that giving thanks season. Again, fall is coming. What are we grateful for? And guess what? We've come all the way back around the wing to Samhain, the beginning of the year. So again, what really the celebration of the year, it fits in with very much with Christian and Judeo holidays because they're all very, very seasonal and they all borrow from each other, which I think is fabulous. I think it's absolutely fabulous that um, Easter and Ostara decorations are the same and that Yule and December Christmas decorations are the same and that Thanksgiving and you get the picture. Anyway, four of them are the equinoxes, Plant the day is longest, the night is longest, the day and night are equal and four are the celebration of life themselves and the cycles that we live. So in basic Reader's Digest form, that's the wheel of the year. And it could look sort of like this in many different forms. For those of you who can see. Thanks. <laughs> now, without further ado, <laughs> let me introduce you to which author and all around amazing guy, Christopher Penzak. And today, I literally have one of the best, best, best out there. I have which author. Oh my gosh, I've just admired and loved this guy for so long. I, 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 the, the list would be even too long to introduce you to, so I'm just going to let you meet him yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Christopher Penzak. Thank you so much, Christopher, coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I know. You've written, oh my gosh, you've just been a part of our community for so long and such a staple and such a well-respected in the books you have written are, are just, again, you're the top of my little triangle just like this. It's like, and I have Christopher on the witching hour. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so for my people who may not know, I have a lot of newer people. Um, how did you get into this world? How did you get into the world of witchcraft and again be such a prolific writer with all these amazing books, which we'll talk about all of them, but just a little bit of your beginning. Yeah, I started as a skeptic. I didn't believe in any of this. Um, and my first teacher, I thought she went crazy. She was a good family friend and she told me eventually she was a witch and I thought that was nuts. Um, mm -hmm. But I wanted to talk to her. You know, I wanted to understand why she was believing that way. I was raised Catholic and I decided that wasn't for me. And uh, the more we talked, the more I was like, hey, yeah, this might be for me. Um, but it was only until she sent me to her teacher, Lori Cabot, um, and getting a chance to study with Lori Cabot and having some really amazing experiences with that, that I was like, yeah, I think this is what I want to do. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And then you became, again, such an integral part of our work and what we do. I have never got to meet Lori Cabot. I just met a whole bunch of the other part of the Cabot family when I was there in spring in Salem and went to the store and stuff, but haven't got to meet her yet myself. I know she did of the new, you have a new version of uh, this big, beautiful book that we're doing a giveaway on, uh, The Inner Temple of Witchcraft. And for those who don't know, this, it is, it's a guidebook. It's like everything you almost need to know to get going and get started. It's, it's doable for anybody. Like, so if you're going, I don't know what this is. So um, tell folks a little bit, where did this come from? It's such a guidebook, literally. Yeah, it's, it's actually started as the notes of my first class. 
Um, so I started teaching when Lori kind of took a step back, you know, at, at a time in her life and people were looking to get classes. And I was like, yeah, OK, if you want me to do something, I'll do something. Um, and then that kind of grew. And so every year I had like a little, you know, notebook and the notebook got bigger and the notebook got bigger for stuff and uh, finally decided to write a book about it. So it's the first textbook for a whole class, a series of classes that have become a whole school now. Right. So it, it goes into literally things like, you know, the roots of things and going into things and you have exercises, you have. Yeah, for folks who started like me who might be a skeptic and, you know, think why should I do this or why should I believe in this? It gets into the, the history and the philosophy and the roots. Um, and then it has 12 lessons, each with exercises that take you progressively into the inner experiences of being a witch. So it's a lot of the intuition, psychic ability, astral travel, that type of stuff. Beautiful. So what would your, again, some of my people are new, some of my people are old and been doing this for decades, of course, but for somebody who's new and really interested in like, what is this witchcraft thing? Um, any suggestions you have, like pick up a book or go find somebody, go inside? What is your all, thought? All three. I think you have to do all three at some point. I think um, education is really important, but just reading a book doesn't make you a witch. I know lots of books who don't, lots of witches who are great who don't read that much, um, but I think they <laughs> practice it. So it's figuring out, you know, what's the balance between it. But I think mentors are really great. And online now you can find so many good communities and classes and things like that. But I, I think you got to work with the witchcraft community. You got to work with yourself and you got to sort of know the roots and the history of things. And if you can bring those three things together, I think you're doing pretty good. Thank you. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. What do you think the biggest misunderstanding is about I, again, it's changing now, and I'm really happy. It's we're popular, which is weird, but cool. <laughs> you know, it's got its, its pluses and minus. But what do you think is the biggest misunderstanding? That's a great question. I think it's changed a lot over the years. Um, we have a very public temple here in Salem, New Hampshire, the other Salem. And uh, and when I have the windows open, you can hear people walking by and, and hear them say stuff. And I remember somebody walking by pointing out to their friends they're like, oh, yeah, that's the big Satanist house. And I was like, oh, no, we're witches. We're not Satanists, you know, but that's still a, a misconception that people still have in the greater public. Um, I think in the new generations, I think witchcraft has become so much of an identity, um, but people don't always focus on the practice. And I think they go hand in hand. You are a witch, but you also practice witchcraft. Right, right. Um, so sometimes there's that misconception. I can just say I'm a witch and then whatever I do is witchcraft, which I think you got to know some of the history and some of the practices. I think it changes over time, but I think, you know, a lot of people so identify with the word, but they don't necessarily identify or understand the practices. So I, I think right. that's a misconception. Right. That's good. Yeah, because there's the the belief system of it that really I'm Wiccan, I'm this, I'm that, whatever that is. And then there's the practice of the craft right. and, and people don't quite get that. So I agree. But again, you have books that help people with that all the way. Um, what is, so you have a new book out, right? I've been working a lot with Llewellyn. What is your new book? My new book is called The Witch's Hut. Um, and it's actually a book of um, poetry and parables. So if you wanted to know not the practical side, but more of the philosophy in a form of a story, um, it takes place as a witch who lives at the edge of a village. We don't actually say when or where it is. Um, and there's a great calamity in the village and everybody blames the witch. And so they go on her doorstep on a dark and stormy night and they basically are you know, there to string her up. And, you know, it's her whole conversation about what witchcraft is and why they're placing the blame on her and her kind of giving them like a little doorstop lesson of like what our beliefs are in a, a deeply philosophical way. That is what a great way to do it in this in a storytelling way. That's beautiful. The witch's hut. 
Um, and again, I know you have more than 20 books. How many books? I was trying to. I think 28 at this point. Ah, or what? <laughs> so what are some of your really great, again, for, for people starting out, what are some of the books and what are they kind of about? Yes. Yeah, so for starting out, I think what you're holding there is the, the probably the best serious start, The Inner Temple of Witchcraft. It's the first book in the Temple of Witchcraft series, and there's six books out now. And um, if all goes well, when we do all these as hardcover re-releases, there'll be a seventh book soon, which will be more like a grimoire and a book of shadows. Um, but for people really just starting out, my two favorite other books to recommend are Instant Magic. Um, and it's not even witchcraft. It's really focused just on on making beneficial changes in your life, and it doesn't require any tools. It's more of that mental magic. Um, and then the other one is the Witch's Shield, which is all about protection magic and kind of grounding yourself psychically. And really, if you're going to open yourself up to these forces, how can you do it safely? Good. Two great things. And I love my. I have one little book, but it's also that very practical. You don't have to be a witch. That little changes in life to make your life better and easy. But speaking of protection and stuff, we live in a crazy world these days. We, do. <laughs> we live, you know, and that protection stuff is really good and helpful. How how do you relate? What do you think this like both the world situation, the pandemic, the changing energies, how what we're doing is probably part of what's pulling people into it or how it can help in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, well, I, I think so much of magical protection is really psychic hygiene. You know, I think the world is such a um, difficult place right now. There's a lot of stuff that gets on you, you know? So I think you need techniques not just to cleanse yourself physically, but you need to cleanse yourself psychically and emotionally and spiritually. And I think just scrolling through, you know, online stuff or just, you know, watching the news can really get you down. So it's about how do I transform those emotions? How do I transform those ideas that are around me? I think our world, I hate to say it, but I think our world is a bit sick right now. I think our society is a bit sick. When you look at all the reactions people have, it's almost like a autoimmune disease, you know, like our society has this kind of flare up. And I think we need to find techniques to soothe um, and to heal because we can't always be angry all the time. We can't always be confrontational all the time. We have to, you know, also find the joy in life. Yeah, I, that's what we need more than anything. And it has become this, that confrontational, that whether it's political or masks or no masks, everything has to be this, not this. And so it, it's very much about balance to me. And, and, and harmony, and, finding and harmony. that harmony. Yeah. yeah. And do you think also it's a great big wake up call? I think, I, yeah. you know, universe, gods, God, whatever word you want to use was like, you guys are asleep. You guys are asleep. You know, go to your room and stay there. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Literally. Um, until you figure it out. Figure it out. And that's, I think, why some people are going, wow, I need something. I need something. Yeah, I think it's forced us all to kind of go within. I don't think everybody has gone as within as they need to, but, you know, who am I to judge? But I think, you know, at the same time, those of us who are, are making decisions and shifting, I think people are questing and looking for new ways of relating. And I think witchcraft's a great way to relate to nature and the world and consciousness, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's it can be super simple, like you said, of like, you know, lighting a candle or doing a quick affirmation or something that just improves your day. And it can be really philosophical and, and think about, you know, I'm a priest or priestess of the mysteries. And what does that mean? And how am I going to hold myself? And so much in between. But I think people are really looking for something that, that changes the way that we give meaning to the world. I think kind of looking at things just strictly as consumerism and just looking at, at things in terms of fame and popularity, we need to look for the deeper meaning behind it. Um, and I think witchcraft helps you with that. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, there's got to be more than this and thing. And plus, like you said, getting in touch with nature. I think we got so far away from that. The, the things in modern society are great and we use them all, but we just got, got unintouch with the moon and our cycles and who we are and nature. And witchcraft always goes there with it, no matter what form you're doing. Right. Yeah, I think during the pandemic, I didn't know what day of the week it was, but I could tell you when the full moon was, you know, <laughs> so that idea of Me too. waxing, waning, it's here. Yeah. Tuesday. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Month. I don't know. <laughs> ah. um, if if what are some of your day to day? Because, again, my th mine is my whole thing is empower empower yourself take your power back because i did look at whatever it's world situation or just all of us we we seem to give our power away humans we're just so ready to give our power away and the one thing about the craft is that you take your power it's not somebody else's power um but what are some things that you like even daily things whether it's you're saying candle work or affirmations for people to just come into their own take their power back if you're serious to semi-serious about all this or even if you're just beginning i think the best thing you can do is just clear a space for your practice like just the top of a table the top of a shelf but something you can sit in front of and just start building an altar and the very fact of just building an altar and sitting in front of it just harmonizes you like there's different traditions about altars but you know the first thing to thing is is that it has to be pleasing to you you gotta like it it's gotta be pretty it's gotta be beautiful to you but whatever is meaningful to you start building that altar and sitting in front of it light that candle and just breathe and just be present and just kind of remember the sacred there's lots of other rituals we can talk about and everything but i think that's just a super easy beginning if you don't know what to do and move your altar around a lot like if i feel like i'm a mess Sometimes my altars become a mess. So just the very act of moving things around the altar and cleaning it up and, and shifting things around kind of refreshes me. So it's a it's a good way to kind of um, create a mandala of your life. You know, it's like a, creating a pattern through the, the sacred space of your altar. It's beautiful. I, I like that. My my altar's a little chaotic right now. Too. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and part of it, it's season. It's all kind of like our season. Um, as we're getting into Samhain, Halloween, as everybody knows Samhain. Um, so do you have, have any special practices you do for this, for Samhain, or explain anything to people, your take on what we do or what you do? Well, for, you know, Samhain for so many of us is speaking to the dead and divination for the dead. Uh, the one thing, I mean, I, I think every ritual I do is a little bit different. And I think every year, all my traditions, there's like a thread that's the same, but I always do something different to keep it, keep it a little bit fresh. Um, but every year I do a card divination for the 12 months. So on Samhain night, I will do November to the following October, pull out a card for every month, pull out a card for myself, pull out a card that's going to be my, my lesson for the year. Um, and I just kind of keep that in mind the whole year. And on my computer screen, I have like the card pop up every month. I'll change it. I actually do it by zodiac signs. But, you know, for people who are not into that, you can do it by the months. But, you know, I'll look at what's going to be Satwin, or excuse me, what's going to be Scorpio, what's going to be Sagittarius, and what's going to be Capricorn. And then I use that card as kind of my reminder for the whole year. And I ask the ancestors and my spirit guides and my allies to all kind of come in and help me choose the right cards that embody not so much what's going to happen, but what's my lesson? What do I need to learn that month? What do I need to keep in mind? Um, I can do predictive stuff with cards, and I think that can be happy when you you need to get an answer. But I think for me, it's more about what's the lesson I need to keep keep in mind. 
Yeah, me too. I love that. I think I might have to borrow that. I'll give you full credit. What a great <laughs> time to do at the beginning of the year to pull the cards. Because I, it's so funny because I'm a card reader. That's what we do. But I never, ever read cards for myself. It's, it's, it's the one time I do. <laughs> yeah, that's the one time. You, okay, that's good. So maybe I will have one time a year. I'm doing my Christopher Penzack. <laughs> I'm going to pull cards for the year because that does make sense. And it does make like it's the perfect time to do it and do it as a lesson, not like, ooh, in February or I'm going to do this. It's stepping in. Um, also, have you noticed that as we are getting the veil thinning more and more because a lot of my audience also is very much from the paranormal world because we're on my paranormal network. So there's a lot of ghosty people and paranormal people. All my work on ghost adventures with Zach and the guys, we have this very, not, I bring my witchcraft world on top of it, my spirituality on top of it, but it's all about this other world. What is your relationship with ghosts and spirits in that typical traditional realm of things? Yeah, for me, it's more about ancestral reverence, but I have a pretty wide definition of ancestors. You know, um, I'm not as much in the paranormal world, but when you're a witch publicly, people will call you out and be like, I think I'm haunted. Can you come check it out? You know, and I'll, I'll do that. Um, I'll say a lot of the hauntings I've experienced have been more um, just like bad energy. You know, the energy sort of trapped and it kind of takes on a stagnant feel to it, but it's not necessarily a soul that's trapped, although sometimes you get that, you know, and, and for me, I'm all about consent. You know, so I'm like, if the ghost's not hurting anybody, you know, do you want to move on? Do you not want to move on? Why are you here? Can we help you? You know, but really about communication and dialogue. But in my daily practice and, and my kind of spiritual practices here at the Temple of Witchcraft, we do a lot more um, ancestor reverence, particularly the ancestors of the witches. You know, there's been a lot of elders that have passed in the last 10 years from our, our kind of mainstream community of, of witchcraft. Um, and then looking at those who've passed way before I started, like figures like Gerald Gardner and Doreen Valente and really honoring those those ancestors of the past. And even going back like the philosopher Hypatia, you know, and, and how her work in Alexandria or, or looking at really these historic, you know, men and women who've kept magic alive and, and putting their photos and paintings out and making offerings to them and asking for their wisdom is a big part of my work. That's beautiful. And and yes, I think the same thing. More often than not, when I'm going out to Claire House, see what's going on, it's energy over, there's a big hole with ghosts in it. No, you've just kind of gathered all this anger and sadness and this and that. And, you know, we create spirits all the time, just the spirit of whatever. So I agree with you there. Um, so temple of the temple of your temple, the inner temple. So tell people that is its own practice within itself, right? That yep. is your own. So yep, how a, is that? Is it like traditionally Wiccan-ish or tell us a little bit about that? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, we embrace all things, but I, it's, we're very based in technique. So you can have your own relationships with your own gods, your own spirits, and we don't have any specific beliefs you have to conform to, but we do have techniques in the training. So the six books in the Temple of Witchcraft series is the textbooks for the school. Um, we're actually a whole nonprofit. So technically in the eyes of the law, we're a church. Um, we've got land here in Salem, New Hampshire, so we've got a beautiful building and we're building a community center. That's going to be our next push next year. We we got through all the rigmarole of going through the town and getting the architectural plans and you know all that good stuff set. Um, we've got about five acres here, so we're building shrines and stone circles and we've got two ornamental wells that we'll do, you know, venerate and do spirit work there. Uh, but it's basically a community and a tradition. So people who've taken the classes are part of the Temple of Witchcraft tradition. Um, we don't shy away from Wiccan practices, but we're not strict Wiccan. So we identify with the word witch. 
you know, um, and people who are part of the community. We have general, you know, events that people can come to. We've got ministers all across the world at this point. So if they do events, we've got little hubs of community here and there. And uh, there's lots of ways you can access it from an online class to being an initiate to just kind of come into a thing to check it out. And that's all part of the Temple of Witchcraft community. That's beautiful. I love that you're having real space, real land and doing that. Um, are yeah, you that going to, are you guys going to do like, weekends or intenses or anything like that yeah at the moment we've had various things um and we'll have guests come out and like for Samhain this year we're doing a big online psychic fair because it's still a little bit high with the covid rates here with the delta variant uh, but Yule will be our first in-person one. And usually for the main eight Sabbaths of the Wheel of the Year, we'll do something on a Saturday, um, the closest Saturday to it. And we'll be an all-day affair where we'll have classes and the Sabbath in the evening and big community event. Um, and then, you know, for other stuff, we'll have guest speakers come out and we'll host other authors. And we do a big festival every August. So that's about a four-day event. It's not oh, wow. here. We have to hire a campground because we have people staying over. So both in the craft, what hurdles have you had to, again, since we have the paths are windy paths and beautiful paths and self-directed paths in so many ways. Um, what are some of the hurdles that you found along your path, whether you knew as a beginner or midway or as an advanced teacher leader of the of the craft? That's a great question. Um, I would have to say probably in all those stages, the balance between solitary work and the balance between community and working with other people. Um, because we love and hate, you know, working with other people, <laughs> you know, which yeah. is our solitary people and we like to do our own thing, but we also, you know, suffer from loneliness and we want to be with our people. Yeah. Um, and I think there can be a great push and pull between those two things. Um, so I think all the way around, those have been my challenges, you know, trying to find community. And when you find community, it's not really always what you want it to be. So you have to sort of accept what it is. Um, and I, I'll say my question at all was I wasn't super happy with the communities I found. So I ended up creating my own, you know, and it was really unintentional. It was just people asking to come and hang out. And my earliest memories of Samhain and some of my best memories of Samhain were the first coven I studied with. Um, they withdrew from doing public work and they sort of passed the torch. And it was my mother and I who got involved in witchcraft at the same time. Um, and she would host a big Halloween party and I would host the big Samhain ritual. So there'd be a ritual and there'd be a party and there'd be, you know, kind of a balance between those two things for our friends and family and our community. And, and that was really the core of the Temple of Witchcraft. So for about 13 years, every Samhain, the, the two of us would put on a big event. How beautiful is that? She must be very proud of you. Yeah, she's passed now, but she's-, she's Well, she still be very proud of you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. She's proud of she's not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that's beautiful to do it with your mom. I, I actually love that. Um, what is, I'm, I'm just so intrigued with you. That's why I keep going about you. I'm sorry about that. But what did you think about this? I guess we should go out there to for everybody else too. Um, what would be your best advice, again, in this world we live in, this crazy world we live in, just hopefully coming out of a pandemic, for your teenage self? Let's go teenage, because I know we have some younger audience. And then I'm going to go into your older people, too, because some of us are not teens. Um, but again, facing this world that they are facing, um, whether it's within the craft or finding your own way, what what are some of I just know you're a really smart guy, a really wise guy. What are <laughs> some of your words for wisdom for your I'm just stepping into adulthood self because I work a lot of kids. I was working with 14 year olds last night. I were I, last week, 18 year olds. And that's such a different world that they are than the world I grew up in or the world you grew up in. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, for teens that are intersecting with the world of magic and witchcraft, I think it's 
you know, putting into practice whatever you're learning, you know, even if it's just the simple stuff and to keep that optimism, I think, um, and that just might be the age bracket I'm at, but I've talked to a lot of teens. We've got, you know, younger people in our community here at the temple. And I think the world is so tough right now. It's hard to be optimistic about what life's going to be like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. So I think kind of keeping your optimism, if magic's anything, it's about manifesting your vision. So hold a vision of what's what's what you want the world to be like and then work towards that, whatever that might be for you, you know, but to really keep that optimism and to keep that enjoyment of the world, even though it's tough, it's not all bad. There's still such beauty and such magic in it. And, you know, try to keep focus on that while working on the tough stuff. Right, right. That's beautiful advice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, because I mean, I don't I don't have kids again, but I work with them so much. And I, I'm always just like, how do they do that? You know, it. It's so different. There's, there's not even a guidebook, which part of me loves that you don't know where we, I was very by rote and growing into this is what you do next and this is what you do next and this is what you're supposed to believe and do. But they don't have any of that. I mean, it's wonderful on one level because it's so freeing, but it's got to be probably terrifying on some level too because it's so freeing. Right. Because there's have no guideline. Everything perfect. that makes it good is what makes it scary. But right. scary is good. I, I'm, my whole big thing is teaching people to embrace fear these days because everybody's mm -hmm. so afraid. Whether it's, I'm going to get a weird disease, I'm going to ever work again because my business is. And, and fear, you know, as we know, can freeze us in our tracks, make us catatonic, make us not do what we want to do or need to do or make that phone call or do anything. Right. You know, but on the other hand, fear is a million dollar industry that I work in. You know, it's like you, we pay money to watch scary movies and go to scary things and ride roller coasters. So that same thing about fear, why can't we embrace the stuff that really that just frightens us a little? Not, you know, jumping off a mountain without a thing. I don't know. What is your thoughts on that? Well, I think for me as a witch, a lot of it is embracing the dark. So it's not just fear, but it's it's cool. anything that we kind of label as other, including ourselves. You know, so it's embracing the fear and trying to understand what's behind that and enjoying the kind of fun fear, but also recognizing when the unfun type of fear, you know, what's when that doesn't serve us, where's that coming from? Where it's you know, who's programmed us for that. I think it's also embracing and understanding our anger. You know, I think there's a lot of things that we can carry with us that are probably toxic anger. And there's a lot of anger that we can carry with us that's maybe this justified outrage. And but how do I channel that towards something constructive, you know, rather than let it consume me? You know, what are my jealousies? I think with online stuff, I look at particularly talking about a younger audience, like, you know, you and I didn't grow up with this online, you know, all everybody's photo every second and you know, everybody can comparing themselves to each other. I mean, we did, but not in this way. You not know, not like this. Not I, like this. Every minute. Because yeah. those are the kids I work with. It's and the level of jealousy that must bring up or, you know, fear of body image and all that. So it's really sort of sort of embracing all the shadow stuff. You know, I think witchcraft, we talk a lot about shadow work today. Um, I think, you know, a lot of witchcraft is embracing the stuff we bear with us from our childhood and the, the kind of harmful programs and things we've taken on from school and parents and all that. But then it's how do we work that in community and how do we work that in the world? So I think we're always kind of having to embrace the other in ourselves to be able to embrace the other and other people, you know, but I think that's fear. I think that's anger. I think that's jealousy. I think that's shame. I think it's, you know, all of that leads us to greater balance if we can, can look at it honestly, you know, look, yeah. look at it, in the eye, look in the mirror. Really? Cause it is so literally superficial. It's what's right here on this screen. If it doesn't exist, if it's not on TikTok, and it's like, <laughs> it does, it does, it really does. Okay. But let me go put it on TikTok. It's like, <laughs> And really encouraging people, I think, 
with TikTok and Facebook and you know, all those things out there, it's that idea of, you know, authentic one-on-one -on -one relationships with people that don't have to be documented online. You know, just yeah. have a conversation with somebody. It doesn't you don't have to take a photo? You know, you can if you want to. Right. It's not about the photo. It's about the conversation. It's about the conversation. Yeah. And on that, what I do think, what's about getting back into the craft, witchcraft and stuff, is that it's what I think we've fallen out of, and I've just been really focusing on this, is 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 mysticism. Our modern Western world, we've lost the mystery. We've lost the mysticism. We've lost the magic to everything. Even religion and traditional religion, everything got by book and by rote. The, the magic and the unknown has got out of it. And that's what we hold on to. Absolutely. I think... The key part of me starting the temple and, and even writing you know, the books that I've written is about opening that doorway to mystery. You can't make someone walk through it, but you can sort of point the way and say, this is this is a path. This is a way. I think there's certain kind of markers that many of us go through the same, you know, things like the descent to the underworld, the idea, of, you know, alchemy turning lead into gold. I think those are all metaphors for things that a lot of us go through time and again. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's totally been lost in a lot of the mainstream world. And I think it's lost in a lot of our superficial views of society today. So I think, you know, a lot of magic and a lot of witchcraft is really trying to reclaim the mystery, really trying to look in the darkness, really trying to kind of see see ourselves reflected and see the world reflected in that. Um, so that's huge. Like the temple books that, you know, we're, we're talking about, each one has a different mystery to it. So the inner temple's mystery is about really the psychic mystery and about can you make connections that are unseen with people? And the second book's called The Outer Temple Mystery, and it's about manifestation and it's about, you know, spell work actually working. And I, I remember for me, that was like, it seems superficial, but the first spell that you have works just blows your mind. You know, it's yeah. just like, how can this work? You know, I'm a, a math and science person. This is not logical, but it, it works. But it is. Yeah. And then it gets into all these other types of mysteries, like um, the third book in the series is called The Temple of Shamanic Witchcraft, and it's about the ecstatic mysteries. How can you travel outside of yourself? How can you expand your consciousness? And then the fourth one's based on Hermetic Kabbalah, and it's about the Gnostic mysteries. How can you get a sense of knowing that nobody tells you? It's just your innate sense of knowing by going through the mystery. Um, and then the last two books are about, you know, training for high priestess and high priest. And, and it's really about like death and resurrection. It's really about regeneration. And I think that's something we all could use right now is this. We're so depleted. We're so tired. We're so exhausted from everything. How do we regenerate ourselves? And I think part of that's magic. Part of that's nature. Part of that's connecting to community in a healthy way. That is beautiful um, as time goes by. So again, you guys, everything you need to know is right here for whether get, again, whether you're right beginner or experienced or just needing some new guidance along the way. Um, so where can people, before we get going, where can people find you? Where can people find your books? Where can people find your temple? Where can we find you on that beautiful internet we love so much? <laughs> Yeah, so the, the best two places to start are um, my website, which is ChristopherPenzak.com, all one word, um, and then TempleOfWitchcraft.org, and those have most of my public classes and events and community stuff. Um, and then I've got, you know, most of the social medias, not all of the social medias, but most of the social medias. So I'm on Twitter at Penzak. Um, I'm on Facebook just under my name, Christopher Penzak, and I'm on Instagram as Christopher Penzak. Haven't quite made it to TikTok yet. Maybe someone will convince me on that. I'm in some TikTok videos, but I don't have a TikTok. Yeah, it's, so we'll it's a happens. whole new world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ah, kicking and screaming. I'm kicking and screaming. So do you teach online classes? Do you teach Zoom classes as the world is? So it doesn't matter where people are. They can uh, 
we have a we have like one-off classes here and there and then we've got our pretty serious mystery school that's based on the textbooks and um, every other year we open up registration for that and um, you can go a year and then take a break but if you do the whole program all together it's about a seven-year program with all the breaks um, and those are pretty intensive so you get like homework is due every month if you don't do the homework you get kicked out you know you get feedback on the homework every month and um, and if you make it through the first level, you become an initiate of the temple and then there's further levels to kind of go through and you could graduate the whole thing and become an ordained minister if you so chose um, to go through that process. But then we've also got like fun classes. So we've got classes that you can just sign up for and you don't have to do any homework. And we've got yeah. some that are live and online and we've got some that are recorded that you can do at your own pace. And so there's lots of options out there. And, and I do, we have full moon ceremonies every month and we've got online Sabbaths now because of COVID and, and everything that's going on. But we also have in-person stuff here in New Hampshire and a couple other places like we've got some um, teachers in St. Louis so there's some live stuff going on in St. Louis and some live stuff going on in Texas and Austin area and, and uh, Houston area excuse me um, and we've got a teacher in California and Los Angeles so hopefully as things open up we'll have more in-person stuff too. That's fabulous so every, and they can get all that information about the school both on both websites or that would be the Inner Temple website? Most of the school is at templeofwitchcraft.org and most of my personal stuff is at ChristopherPenzak.com. Okay. Well, I have a whole sheet of other questions. So can I have you back one of these days? And we can go. go deeper. We can go deeper. <laughs> part two. <laughs> so part two. So everybody uh, create an altar, which I think is the most brilliant advice. Create your own, your altar, whatever that is for you. And on Samhain, on Halloween, pull a card. I'd love that. I'm going to, I'm going to do that for each month of the year, both the education and learning. So I learned something today and I hope to learn something every day. And I learned a lot today. So thank you so much, Christopher. Thank you for joining us at the witching hour. <laughs>